This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. We are switching gears and we're talking about your health now. I'm here with our trusted contributor, Dean Miller from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. And what we are going to tackle now is help for people who have a family member moving into a long-term care home, or maybe you yourself are. The thing is, when that happens, the way to manage medications is going to be very, very different. And we're about to enter the holiday season, and that puts a whole lot of added stress on everything. So Dean is here to talk about how your pharmacist can ease the transition, what you should be doing as we start the holiday season, and he will answer any other pharmaceutical questions that you have. So before we start, let's give out the numbers again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Dean, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Libby. Good afternoon. Okay. So what changes when someone moves into a long-term care home? Well, actually a lot changes because you go from managing your own medications to really someone else managing them for you. And you know, the the patients involved, when, when you're in a long-term care uh, facility, and I think actually a study just came out uh, today that I read, uh, where it's usually five to seven medications uh, on on average. So, you know, you've got usually, you know, seniors in, in facilities like this, you know, they've got medications anywhere from, you know, five different ones to 15 different ones. So it's pretty complex and, and it's a, a very sophisticated system to manage these medications and the pharmacist plays a much, much different role with patients in long-term care than they do in your regular retail pharmacy that you see out on the street. So, But if uh, if you're in a long-term care home and, and uh, the nurse or the support worker is just coming to you and handing you pills to take, I mean, isn't, isn't that easier? You don't have to think about it? No, for sure. It, that, it is. And as I said, it's a very sophisticated system. That, that exists and it's actually a very good system that actually I think a lot of us in retail pharmacy are quite envious of because there's a lot of technology involved. There's a lot of a uh, lot more pharmacist involvement with patients than you would see just uh, in a regular retail environment. So, so the pharmacist plays a big, big role in uh, for patients in long-term care. And how so? Well, you know, I mean, these are these are patients that many times are either you know they're very you know very sensitive in nature they've had a, a, a you know a debilitating disease they're end of life patients you know so so many of them are on on many medications and you know it's very defined so you know there's 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 about 80,000 different um or there's about 80,000 beds that are government sponsored long term care homes across the country or across Ontario I should say uh, but then there's a bunch of other publicly owned or uh, privately owned ones as well. So 
you know, these are these are patients that are that are pretty sensitive uh, to the effects of of the, their medications, their food, how things interact. Each one of those facilities has a relationship with a pharmacy. So those you, – you have no choice. I mean, just, you know, regularly, like you and I can go walk down the street and say, there is a pharmacy. I, you know, I like that pharmacist there. I'm going to go there or I'm going to go to the next one and say, hey, you know what? That pharmacist is better. I like that person. Uh, I'm going to go there. Long-term care, it's different. Uh, long-term care, that really that decision is made for you. So that long-term care facility has negotiated something with a pharmacy to say, okay, you know, you're going to manage all my medications. I'm at your mercy. You show me how to do it, and I'm going to supply you with some nurses. You supply me with the pharmacist and the medication. We're going to work together to to manage these patients. So. Okay, so and the pharmacist looks at each patient's situation. Yeah, so I mean it's very complex and everybody's different. I mean, you know, you know, you've got patients, a great many patients that you know have Alzheimer's disease, yeah. you know, that have mental illness, that you know have 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 conditions that you would never ever ever want to have them managing their medications because odds are pretty good that things aren't going to go very well. So the pharmacist plays a critical role. They interact with that home a lot. They interact with the nurses. There's a lot of education involved. There's a lot of management and a lot of technology that sort of ensures that each of those patients is safe because, you know, there may be, they may in the morning take seven different medications and, you know, which ones, you know, which ones are meant to be taken now. And are these things reviewed? Constantly? Oh, absolutely. And and there's some fail-safe uh, systems in place that, as I said, are the envy of us in retail pharmacy. You know, they, they ensure that those medications are 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 um, are scanned and, and labeled properly. And the, the amount of errors in long-term care facilities are much, much lower than you would see in, in areas across uh, retail. But there, but there, there, there is a problem that, that have, has been cited in medical literature, and that is that, that long-term care homes sometimes use very strong antipsychotic medications mm-hmm. just, just to manage patients that they don't really necessarily need for their conditions. Well, and you brought up kind of, I would say, what is the key issue in long-term care today across this country is over-prescribing. You know, medications that people have been started on, they've never been discontinued. You know, physicians or staff have made recommendations where, you know, let's add something. Let's add another medication to the to the list without actually taking a look at, at the uh, the medications that they're already on. So de-prescribing is, is sort of a term that's that's entered, you know, everyone's vocabulary in the last couple of years. So the, so a lot of pharmacists and pharmacy organizations that deal with long-term care are now in the business of de-prescribing, you know, versus sort of showing you the re- best way to use the medications, but what can they do to sort of take some of those medications away and improve the health care of a patient by just lessening what they take. Okay, uh, let's go to Pat in Ajax. Hi, Pat. Hi there. Go ahead, you're on the air. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I'm calling not specifically about the types of medications in long-term care, um, but about the the billing practices of medications in long-term care. Um, I have an elderly relative who moved from retirement home to long-term care about a year ago, she was managing her meds, as you said, uh, most people do in the community. She was managing her meds independently. 
um, and then now is kind of forced into the system in long-term care. And I, I, I think her main objection is the way it's built, because everything is, as you say, labeled so it can be scanned and all of that safety stuff. But what, what the end point of that is, is the medications are prescribed, or no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Dispensed? Uh, the prescriptions are filled on a weekly basis. Right. So that $2 copay that she used to pay for a three-month supply of Lasix or whatever medication, she's now pay- paying $2 every week for the same medication. Right, right. Um, and that is really, I mean, she's very on top of her meds and whatever, and it's really annoying to her. We did question the home, we questioned the pharmacy that they're connected with and whatever, and basically, long story short, we were told that's just the way it is. Right. And it Pat- just seems unfair. <clears throat> yeah, so, Pat, you're right. I mean, the, the whole Ontario Drug Benefit Program is set up that, you know, the patients pay a co-payment amount, and the pharmacy bills a total amount, uh, and the government has a has a portion that they pay as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, I'm I'm wondering whether are you talking about a long-term care facility? or Are you talking no, about? No, I'm a talking re- about a long-term care facility. She's in long-term care. She's in long-term care. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So those pol- I can I can I can tell you that the policy is different uh, from from home to home to home because. Okay. You know, a lot of the homes negotiate pretty aggressively with pharmacy for that business because it is, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. pharmacy is, you know, for the most part, um, part of it is a a business as well versus also, you know, a healthcare provider. and, And a lot of that is negotiated. And, you know, I think... Quite truthfully, and I'm a pharmacist, so I'm probably a bit biased. But, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of that would go back to the home, and I think you know your area of complaint might be to go to the home and say, uh, you know, the next time the contract comes up, maybe you guys should negotiate a little bit more aggressively to, you know, ensure that our residents don't mm-hmm. have to pay that copayment amount. I, because exactly. I've and seen I stuff about that, and I have to say that I'm not fully brief. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't even I. I've seen objections to it because it's almost like a kickback. I mean, if the the long term care home takes back some of the well, you know, as as pharmacists, we are allowed to charge a two dollar copay. Many pharmacists and pharmacies across, whether it's retail or long term yeah. care, you know, have decided as an area of competitiveness to to waive that copayment amount. So. I would say that waiving the copayment amount is probably more the norm than the exception now uh, in the Ontario market. But well, for Pat, for Pat, I think that would be my advice: is to say okay. to the home operator, you know, because these contracts come and go, Pat. Like, okay. the, like right. they, they vary from anywhere from a year to five years. Um, the next well, time the home they, gets into it, they should really probably okay. negotiate on that. Well, they so. they do have a new administrator right now, so maybe okay. it's a good time to bring that kind of thing up. Yeah, I think oh. that would be my advice for you. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. I mean, I've noticed that the dispensing fee, when you see the breakdown for the medication, mm-hmm. um, like the, the dispensing fee is very low. It's like, I think, under $7. Yeah, well, that's that's the negotiation with the pharmacy. You know, when probably, when when you and I go go yeah. and fill a prescription, it's a lot more than that. Exactly. But I think then the pharmacies, this is my take on it, they've negotiated a lower dispensing fee, but they get around that by dispensing more frequently. 
so that they're getting the copay every well, like they're getting that dispensing fee on the copay every time they issue the medications, which is every week. Yeah, and long-term care residents are on the government plan. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. Okay, I, so, so anyway. uh, let us know how it goes when you talk to the mm-hmm. new administrator, okay? Okay, will do. Thank okay, you. thanks for your call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, it's time to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about what changes if you or a loved one goes into a long-term care home. But Dean is here. He's ready to take your calls, your questions about uh, any drugs you may be taking or uh, gearing up for the holidays. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we'll be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, Dean Miller. And we were talking about what happens if you move into a long-term care home. And we want to remind people that that's different from a retirement home. And the way medication is handled is also different in both those places. We're also starting to touch on to the fact that it's it's December the 1st, and that means the holiday season. And that means a lot of things can change. People party a little more. There's probably more alcohol, rich food. Uh, all of that is going to make a change in your health. And, and uh, what should you be thinking about in terms of the drugs you're taking as well? Do people forget sometimes that, hey, I'm all these meds, maybe I should, you know, go easy? Yeah. And, and I think, Ruby, you've hit on something that's pretty important because, you know, we're talking about long-term care facilities today, but I think a lot of people think, you know, long-term care is associated with a retirement home, and and, and it's not. I mean, there's different types of homes out there. There's retirement homes that do manage medications for the residents. There's others that so some some get that service, some don't. There's other retirement homes where everybody's independent. You know, they can go and pick whatever pharmacy pharmacy they want to. And it doesn't mean that these people don't have, you know, very complex medication uh, histories and things. And we've talked about meds check reviews and things many, many times. And that's very, very prominent in this world of long-term care and, and retirement homes where that pharmacist plays a very, very significant role. And I think I would encourage everybody that, you know, if they haven't gone out and got a meds check review, um, you know, if they've got a, uh, you know, a, a parent or a, or a, an uncle or an aunt or someone that's entered into one of these facilities, it's the the perfect time to do that because, because the, the meds check review at least will give you a good start on, okay, what does the so medication look if like? if somebody, even if somebody's in long-term care right. and they have staff there managing their meds, a family member can request a review. And should. Yeah, because this is what I brought up before, that there has been a lot of criticism about the way that some of these facilities use very strong antipsychotic drugs. Because, you know, we know a lot of patients in long-term care, they have dementia. Sometimes they're violent. There's this trial going on Mm -hmm. now. They don't necessarily have enough staff. 
And it's, you know, like you drug them up and it's easier to control them. But if you're the family member, you want to make sure that they're not doing that. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, if you don't play the, uh, pay the proper attention to some of these residents, what you can be, get into is a scenario where you're just adding, you're adding more medications, no benefit. Uh, and unless somebody takes a look at it and says, these three medications are exactly the same or almost the same. So why are we using three when we could be using one? And and luckily, that's the purpose of the whole MedsCheck program. And people in long-term care are lucky. They can have it four times a year versus the once a year in in retail pharmacy that the rest of us have an opportunity to do a meds check. So it's an opportunity to to have a meds check review done every three months uh, and and have a really good look. Because, I mean, as we said, these people have many, many different, um, you know, disease states and interactions than than the rest of us do. Well, and, and it's been shown time and again that, that taking too many drugs contributes to falling. Falling is a big cause of death, just plain and simple. It is very serious in a frail elderly person. Yeah. Well, most falls and the whole concept around falls prevention, you know, the majority of that does come from the medication that one takes and, and the side effects that go along with it. I mean, these are frail individuals anyways that, you know, like all the rest of us have to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom or, or get a snack or whatever. And, you know, if they're, if they're over-medicated, the, the chance of those falls goes, you know, sky high. So, so it's, uh, it's something that really needs to be uh, paid attention to. And long-term care, not bad. I mean, you've got nursing staff and, in there, but you may not have the same degree of that in retirement homes, and and so it, you know, the burden becomes on on some of the family and caregivers uh, that are closely associated by blood. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think that that wherever, if you're looking after a family member, uh, even if they're in a facility, uh, you know that that can't completely take care of themselves. This is, I think, something important to do for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and picking, you know, even picking the home, uh, you know, the, the family has to feel comfortable with those facilities. And, you know, how do they treat mom and dad? You know, how often do they do they interact with mom oh, and dad? Oh, Dean, that is, and, a, that is a whole other question. There are waiting lists. Yeah. Uh, if there's a crisis, you have to end up going to the first one with an available bed, which may not be the place that you want to send your loved yeah. one. It's it, that's a whole other. Well, thing. and you know, uh, you know, public policy has 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 really dictated that we're not building as many of these facilities as we used to. We want to try and keep seniors at home. I mean, that's what public policy right across this country has started to talk about. And there's a lot of st- activity going on around that, but. You know, that means you keep mom and dad in, in, in their homes longer and, you know, puts more on, onus on the fa- family to do oh, a lot well, more. Well, yes, and we should be keeping mom and dad in the family longer, but mm-hmm. there does come a point. Uh, interesting, you know, we shot a caregiver's show uh, for our sister station, The Zoomer, just yesterday. We had an audience and, boy, some of the stories of people, you know, it there comes a point where it's burnout. There was a, a, a man on our panel and he literally could barely leave the house because his, his wife is in later stages of dementia. And she's like, where's my husband? Um, one of my neighbor, na- my neighbor across the street came 
and her husband just moved into a long-term care facility, and it was the same thing. I mean, we've been neighbors for 25 years, and they had a full-time uh, nanny for him, but she still couldn't leave the yeah. house. Yeah. Well, and and you know what? We're not we're not all nursing staff that knows exactly how to how to deal with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. patients and patients with dementia. I mean, you know, it's a that's a totally different way of of dealing with with seniors and and it's um you know, it's it's a challenge and and healthcare professionals are there, but hey, you know what? They're not there all the time and the more people stay in their homes, the more challenging it's going to be to uh, – so I think education is, is a big key to this. And, and more home care. We need, we need more home care, which Absolutely. is cheaper than, than yep. facilities. Yep. Uh, but it's – yeah, and actually, last night I had dinner with a friend, the same thing. Her, her father probably should be in long-term care, but he, he, he's, he's lucid enough that he, that he won't go, and it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's it's it becomes a, a challenge, and and pharmacy's there to f- to fill the gap. And I think you know, like I said, the message. I I think one of the key messages today is is that if you've never if you've never sat uh, and listened to a meds check review as a as a as a family member, um, you know, you have that opportunity. You know, the pharmacist often does it with the staff in the facility. But you, as a family member, have that opportunity so to you sit should, in. So you should, should sit in and should sit for in. For sure. For sure. You should sit in because you'll know the treatment plan for that individual. And if it doesn't, you know, if if, if mom and dad have a, a, a very complex medication regimen, and most of them do, uh, if there's not some efforts there to streamline it and, and, and make it uh, make it uh, so that there's some deprescribing as well as prescribing um, – there's probably some important questions so, that you should ask. So people should also be asking when they look at this, and I, I, this is probably difficult for a lot of people, is, you know, what is this drug for? What are you treating with it? Yeah. And, and, you know, is this a long-term thing or is this something? Yeah, the family needs to know that kind of stuff because, you know, those little, those little white pills all tend to look exactly the same. And, you know, once you get to number four, five, six, seven, and beyond, you know, it gets very confusing about what time you're taking certain things and what does, you know, what, what, what does this one do? And this one's for diabetes and this one's for, you know, cardiovascular health. And there's, there's a ton of different, and those, you know, for the general public, those names probably don't mean a whole lot. They're very complex and very medical sounding, but uh, uh, being educated is, is critically important. And that's, you know that's partially why the pharmacist exists. So yeah, I, I mean, you know, the same is true everywhere in in the health system. Is you know, you really need to either be your own advocate, or you need someone to advocate for you. And this is a thing if you want to make sure that that your loved one isn't getting too many strong drugs just because that makes it easier on the facility, you've got to get in there and, and make sure that that's the case. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and not enough people, certainly not enough people ever do that. I think, you know, a lot of people think the healthcare system there is there and they'll protect me under all, you know, all scenarios. But hey, you know what, there's, we're all in, in the healthcare system. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to protect yourself as well and ask those right questions. So 
Okay, well, I think that's a, a good message to leave people with, something important to do, not necessarily that easy. Uh, Dean Miller, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, thank you so much. Thank you, Libby. Okay, and that is it for Fight Back for today. Uh, we did have to leave a lot of calls on the line about the Auditor General's report, so remember, tomorrow is a free-for-all Friday. Call me back. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, as there always is. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.